Our thanks to our patrons, Jenna Smith, Dan Hendrick, Carl Jackson, Richard Goode, Daniel Ammons, Sarah Rogers, Troy Llewellyn, Joanne Ferguson-Cavanaugh, Christine Gerber, Jay Hanna, Lori Schwartz, and Jim Collison. The North Omaha History Podcast is a volunteer effort, but you can help us meet expenses by becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com slash Omaha. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. The founder of Florence was a pioneer store owner from the Iowa side of the Mississippi River. Then he crossed the Missouri River to stake out his future town. After he died, his wife kept his body in a glass-covered casket in a backyard mausoleum at their Florence house for a year. So, Adam, the story of James C. Mitchell, the founder of Florence. Well, Steve, let's let's unpack what you just said just a little bit. Picture a guy who was involved in a pioneer war, a guy who went and border hopped and got ahead of the government in order to make a dime, a guy who was a ship captain for more than a decade and ran a boat back and forth from England. This is the life of James C. Mitchell. This guy was all over the place and did all kinds of things, and I just want to run through his life just for entertainment value because it's so big and broad. You know, there isn't a Mitchell Street in Florence today. There isn't a Mitchell School. There isn't a Mitchell Memorial of any kind, and there's lots of reasons for that. When you read about these settlers who came to Nebraska early on, you know, lots of them were in their 20s. Lots of them had these different kinds of identities and lives that they had before they got to Nebraska. But most of them were just young men. They had come to just settle and make it happen. James Mitchell, though, he was not a young man when he got to Nebraska. See, Steve, you got to remember that James Mitchell came across the river all the way back for the very first time, probably around 1850 or so. But he was there hot on the heels of the Mormon settlers who had came in 1846. You see, Mitchell was born way back in 1809 in Pennsylvania, and he was an early settler who decided to go west to find his fortune. But at that point, when he went west, the west was just across the Mississippi River, not the Missouri River. When he crossed at the Mississippi River, James Mitchell landed in a town called Bellevue, Iowa. And in Bellevue, Iowa, James opened up a store with his wife. His wife's name was Eliza, and Eliza has an important part uh, throughout James's life. Uh, we'll come back around to her in a minute. But when James and Eliza opened up their store in Bellevue, Iowa, they became part of kind of a raging pioneer battle that was kind of a war of words more than anything. But when it finally happened, James Mitchell pulled out his gun and shot a man, a guy named James Thompson. Turned out that Jim Mitchell was trying to defend his land that he had settled there in Bellevue and his store. And uh, this James Thompson was part of an army brigade that was coming, an informal army brigade, a militia that was coming to raid Jim Mitchell's store. Jim pulled out his gun and shot the guy in. Well, he got indicted 
but he was found not guilty. That was way in 1840. And Jim Eliza Mitchell, they kept running their store in Bellevue for a couple more years. Matter of fact, Jim Mitchell became the president of the Bellevue, Iowa Town Council in 1841. It was back in the 1830s, though, that uh, Jim Mitchell, he was a he was a ship's captain. He was working for a firm called Grinnell, Mintern and Company, and he ran a ship back and forth between New York City and Liverpool, England. It was in Liverpool when he was a young man that he met Eliza Krosnick Vandenberg. She had married a minister there in Liverpool. And in 1824, uh, she gave birth to their only child, whose name was Hannah Vandenberg. Well, Eliza's husband, who was Reverend John Vandenberg, he was lost at sea. He was involved in some missionary work in South Africa, and in 1835, when his boat was coming back to England, the, the boat disappeared, and uh, Reverend John Vandenberg was presumed dead. And it was uh, a time when a widow with a young daughter would want to get married as quick as possible. Well, Reverend John Vandenberg had known a ship's captain who was going back and forth to New York City named Jim Mitchell, and he had introduced Jim to his wife, Eliza. And when Jim found out that Eliza was widowed, he moved in and proposed. And in 1836, a year after her husband was presumed dead, Eliza Vandenberg married Jim Mitchell. And uh, Jim adopted Eliza's daughter, Hannah. So they were all living in Iowa in 1840 by then. They had gotten off the sea. Jim had gotten off the sea, and they had moved to Iowa. In addition to his store, Jim was also the Indian commissioner uh, for Bellevue, Iowa, which at that point was still uh, wild territory. But they had heard the inklings of a new territory opening further to the west across this super foreign territory. Everybody called it Indian territory back then on the other side of the Missouri River. Well, in 1846, Eliza's daughter, Hannah, married a man named Nathaniel Kilborn. Nate Kilborn was a flour miller, and this is going to come into play here in a minute as well. He and Hannah and uh, Eliza and Jim Mitchell all lived together in Bellevue until 1849, when Jim moved the whole family from Bellevue, Iowa, on the Mississippi River, to Canesville, Iowa, on the Missouri River. Him and Eliza opened up two stores in town, and Hannah and Nate ran one store, and Eliza and Jim ran the other. That's how busy Canesville was at that point in 1849. Steve, you might remember the term 49ers. We both love football, and we know that the 49ers are the greatest football team ever, or one of them. Scoff, if you will. But uh, uh, the 49ers are based out of San Francisco, and they're called the 49ers because of the great gold rush of 1849. Now, all of those miners who were going to the gold rush in San Francisco in 1849 came through Canesville, Iowa. And today we know Canesville, Iowa is called Council Bluffs. So this was the beginning of Council Bluffs. And Jim and Eliza Mitchell were running two stores. They had their son-in-law and their daughter there running the store with them. And Jim heard tale of an old town across the river that was just north of Council Bluffs. Or what became Council Bluffs. He was sent there by a guy named Peter Sarpy. Peter Sarpy was an old fur trapper by that point. Uh, you might be familiar with Sarpy's name from the county named after him. 
And Sarpy said to Jim Mitchell, hey, you should go check out this land where there's a bunch of houses. And lo and behold, Jim Mitchell crosses the river up at the rock bottom on the Missouri River. He crosses the river to discover that, indeed, there's a bunch of cabins. There's a few houses. There are laid out streets. There are old storefronts. There was even a school when he got there. And he thought to himself, what a great opportunity to start a township and make some money selling lots. So Jim Mitchell pulled together a town company. It was called the Winter Quarters Town Company. And Jim Mitchell got funding from a guy named James Monroe Parker, who we'll come back around to. We've talked about him in past podcasts. They all worked together and they bought all the claims in the area and they platted the town that we call Florence, Nebraska. That's right. Jim Jim Mitchell was the founder of Florence, Nebraska. Well, that was 1853 when they started the Winter Quarters Town Company. It was 1854 when the township was platted right after the Nebraska Territory opened for settlement. Now, that Nebraska Territory was only allowed by the Kansas-Nebraska Act, which was designed to allow the new territories opening west of the Missouri River to determine their own relationship with slaves and slavery. Nebraska Territory went without it. Kansas Territory went with it. Jim Mitchell renamed the Winter Quarters uh, in 1854 to honor his young step-granddaughter. His granddaughter was born to Hannah Mitchell. She was always a precocious child who was a little bit sickly from the time that she was born, but she was definitely a favorite of Jim and his wife Eliza. And he named, renamed Winter Quarters in honor of his young stepdaughter when she was still alive. She was born in 1851, so in 1854 she was three years old, and her name was Florence Kilborn. Florence now had a town named after her. In 1854, Jim uh, was chosen to represent the Washington County in the Nebraska Territorial Legislature, and he became super involved in the legislature. So involved that he became determined to move the territory capital from some scruffy Omaha city up to the big metropolis of Florence. At that point, early on, Florence was a bigger town than Omaha, and it did not seem outlandish that the territorial capital could end up there. Mitchell ended up building a 12-room house in Florence called the Cedars. It was at 8314 North 31st Street. It's on the end of the same lot where the Florence Presbyterian Church sits today. And this house stood for a very long time, 100 years. But all the same, Mitchell became really involved in all kinds of businesses around his new town. The Florence Ferry Corporation. Jim uh, bought the old ferry that was used to cross the Missouri River. He bought that from Mormon settlers who sold it to him. I have a separate article about it on NorthOmahaHistory.com that's waiting for people to read it. But uh, it's a great story about the ferry and all the role that it played in this new town of Florence. Jim also incorporated in 1855 the Florence Bridge Company. Again, with Jim Parker, whose name we brought up earlier, Peter Sarpy, the fur trader, and other people. This Florence Bridge Company in 1855 decided that the rock bottom of the Missouri River right there at Florence would be a great place to put a bridge in 1855. It took a hundred years, a whole century for that vision to be fulfilled. But all the same, Jim Mitchell had it early on. Mitchell became the owner of not only the ferry company and eventually the town company, but he also opened up a bar. He opened up a hotel 
He bought the Florence Mill. He became a trustee in Washington College in Cummings City, which is up in Washington County. He started publishing a newspaper called the Florence Courier. I mean, the man was a businessman about town. He did all kinds of things. Now, as part of that Florence Town Company, he sold property for the company. So these settlers would come in and Mitchell would say, hey, you want to buy a lot in town? And they would surely buy a lot. And you got to remember back then, Steve, the lots were selling like pancakes. They were moving fast. And they were all so cheap uh, because they wanted settlers to come into town. Mitchell was also responsible for giving away property to the new churches that were springing up and selling property at a premium to the businesses that wanted to op up, open up on 2nd Main Street and 1st Main Street in Florence. Today we call 1st Main Street North 30th Street. But all the same, Mitchell was super busy. He got involved in other land schemes. He owned a ferry company up on the Elkhorn River and ran another town company in Columbus, Nebraska. He was also one of the directors of the Sulphur Springs Land Company. We've talked before about the founding of the town of Saratoga around 24th and Ames, and the Sulphur Springs Land Company sold land there. The town of Florence was actually incorporated in 1854, and uh, Mitchell joined the board of the Florence Bank in 1856. Now, we haven't mentioned the Florence Bank yet, have we? Oh, wait a second. We did. You see, Jim Parker, who we've talked about twice now, he was involved in both the ferry company and the town company. Jim Parker was the guy who ran the Florence Bank. Now, he ran it for a conglomerate for a group of fellows from back east. Jim Parker became one of the major landholders in the Florence community, especially south of Weber Street down to Miller Park. So Jim Mitchell joined the board of Jim Parker's bank, the Florence Bank. Now, Florence Bank was a wildcat bank. It was built to make money, easy money, quick money off of uh, the development of the new town, but all the same. It lasted for a while. It had some things going. It was busted at one point by a financial flop in 1857, but the bank kept going. Jim Parker stayed in town and made a lot of money. Jim Mitchell stayed in town and made even more money, it would seem. In 1856, Jim Mitchell started operating a steamboat uh, between Florence and St. Louis, Missouri. It was called Nebraska Number no. 2, and this steamboat chugged up and down the river. It brought settlers up to his town. It brought settlers to Omaha, St. Joe, Kansas City, Springfield, Missouri, and all points in between. It was a heck of a ride, and Mitchell made money off of that. Now, we'd mentioned Hannah and Nate Kilborn. Hannah was Eliza Mitchell's daughter from her first marriage, and her husband was Nate. Nate Kilborn was a flour miller in Iowa. When Hannah met him, well, old man Mitchell, Jim Mitchell, he had bought the Florence Mill. What was he going to do with it? That's right. He put Nate Kilborn in charge, and the Kilborns ran the Florence Mill for many, many decades and were very successful in doing that. They had their fourth child, whose name was Hannah Kilborn, in 1856. Now, the Kilborns eventually moved back to Bellevue, Iowa where Hannah had grown up and where Nate had family. But all the same, James Mitchell continued on. He opened the first hotel in Florence in 1856, and uh, he got a bridge charter in 1857 that allowed the Florence Bridge Company to collect money uh, for the construction of the bridge. In 1857, that same year, Jim Mitchell went to Washington, D.C. to lobby 
this new railroad group that was emerging, this Union Pacific Railroad, was going to build the first ever transnational railroad across the United States. Jim Mitchell went to Washington, D.C. to lobby for the Florence Bridge Company to have a railroad bridge built across the Missouri River at Florence. Unfortunately, he was unsuccessful, but that didn't stop other railroad folks from coming around. In 1860, Jim Mitchell ordered all of his land titles from the Florence Land Company to be paid out uh, so that he could retire from the business. In 1860, Jim Mitchell retired from the Florence Land Company. That was in April of that year. In August of that year, Jim Mitchell died. Jim Mitchell died in August of 1860. And his wife, Eliza, like you mentioned in the intro, Steve, his wife, Eliza, had a glass door casket made. And behind their house, there on the hillside that you can still see today, you can see the hillside, Eliza Mitchell had a mausoleum built into the hillside. Now, this mausoleum wasn't formal or fancy. It was simple stone-lined structure that was actually a cave of sorts. And she had Jim Mitchell's glass door casket placed in the mausoleum. And now there's just a few stories of how Eliza would go back to that glass-fronted casket and talk to her husband every day. But she clearly loved him, and she clearly missed him when he was gone. He was buried in the Mormon Pioneer Cemetery the next year in 1861, where his grave is today. It's an unmarked grave, except for a wrought iron fence that's around it and flowers that are placed on every year. It's cared for by the Latter-day Saints since it's in their cemetery. Apparently, he was granted permission to be buried there because he was such a friend to the Mormons who came across and stayed in his town as it was settled and developed. In 1862, Florence Kilborn, the namesake of the town of Florence, uh, was painted an oil portrait that is actually still in the family today. I had the honor of being contacted by one of the Kilborn family's uh, living members today uh, who still is in possession of that oil portrait. And I have one of the only photographs of that oil portrait available on the Internet today. And that's in my article about Florence Kilborn. So you can go to Google and look up NorthOmahaHistory.com, a biography of Florence Kilborn, and you can see that oil portrait today. Florence died in 1866. She died young. Her memory obviously lives on. However, James Mitchell, his memory is kind of lost. In 1933, his house there in Florence, remember it was called the Cedars, apparently it had some features in it that were shaped like a ship because – Jim Mitchell himself was a ship captain for so long, and he loved the ocean. So it had some round portal windows and lots of dark woodwork like an old ship would have. Anyhow, in 1933, the house was surveyed by the Historic American Building Survey uh, and was determined to be of significant historical value. The house was a pioneer house, and it really meant a lot to the memory and to the identity of the neighborhood of Florence at that point. Of course, the neighborhood of the town of Florence was subsumed by Omaha and was annexed by the city in 1917, so it really lost its identity as a town. But, of course, today it's still known as its own neighborhood. Unfortunately, it's detached from Jim Mitchell's memory, and in 1964, the Jim Mitchell house, known as the Cedars, was demolished. Apparently, it had rotted out after being used as uh, the minister's home for Florence Presbyterian Church and for a couple other purposes. 
that had brought it out and wasn't in good shape, so they ripped it down. And there's no sign that that house was ever there. I think that site's deserving of a plaque. And I think that Jim Mitchell's memory needs to be remembered by the town of Florence and the city of Omaha, if only because the man worked so hard to make it happen up there. And even if it didn't happen the exact way that he wanted, there's so much of his memory that's still intact. When you drive the streets in Florence today, that grid pattern that's there, even though it was laid out originally by the Mormon settlers, Jim Mitchell really made it happen by making a town on top of it. He made the commercial life come alive. He brought the pioneers over. He sold the land, and he made sure that Florence became a place that we can go and see today. So go and celebrate Florence's wonderful historical legacy and remember the life of Jim Mitchell. If you want to, do a little advocacy and let's get a plaque put up for Jim Mitchell, maybe in the Florence Park or next to the Florence Presbyterian Church where his house was. And let's remember the life of James C. Mitchell, the founder of the town of Florence. And that is the North Omaha biography of Jim Mitchell. Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Join us next week as Adam takes you on another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past.